Okay, we might as well get on with it. It's time to start harping on rugby. to Harpen on Rugby. My name is Jeff Pagano and once again I've been joined by my fellow fans to harp on what's going on with Leinster, Ireland and the wider rugby world. Well as you'll no doubt appreciate it's not so much a pod this week it's more like a support group and uh, my fellow, first fellow sufferer is uh, someone back for cap number 37. Hello to Mr. Tom Coleman. Evening gentlemen, evening Rich, how's it going? Hiya Tom, good to and, see you again. Uh, also with us is someone talking to us from Gibraltar, and we'll certainly need him to be our rock for the next hour or so. Um, <laughs> making his 27th appearance, hello to Mr. Rich Suits. Good evening, everyone. Great to see you guys again. Great to hear us all laughing at this this early in the show. It's 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 it it, it bodes well for the next for the next while. <laughs> right, gents. Uh, before we get to our main topic of discussion, we're going to stall as much as we can. I mean, sorry, we're going to begin with a feature we call the front five where we pick out five eye-catching, egg-chasing articles from around the rugby sphere so we can offer a few quick thoughts. And we're going to start with yourself, Tom. And this is good news. We want to hear some really good news now to start the pod. Um, your article comes from the RTE.ie, and the headline is Ireland Women Sevens Qualified for the Olympics. Well, I think the good news peaks early on in this pod, yep. I'm afraid, uh, lads. <laughs> uh, but this is really good news. Um the Irish Ladies Sevens team have qualified for the Olympics. And, you know, that in itself, the headline explains everything. Uh, these girls are going to be Olympians. You know what I mean? This, you know, there's, we talk about a lot of peaks in different sports. and But to be an Olympian is just, you know, it's up there. It's, it's right up there with, uh, with World Cups and stuff like that in relative sports. It's it's just fantastic. And they really set the tone for the, for, for qualification. But, you know, really fantastic victory against France. Who, who you know who obviously have already qualified as hosts, but are, are, are a damn good team, and and they finished it off by by um, a good you know good win against Fiji. I know they played Australia as well in the middle there. Australia, a very good team. I think they're the current series champions at the moment. Uh, so that was a, that was a tough game, but look, yeah, you know they're Olympic, they're, they're in the Olympics, and uh, it's just going to be fantastic to see see them over there and. Um, I suppose it'll cause wider debate, and it's you know not to, on on drawing resources away from the fifteens team. Uh, some of the players that are playing with the sevens, but look, that's for another day. I think you know, given what we've spoken about on the pod and for 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 the Irish women's rugby setup for the last two or three months, without definitely not brushing any of that under the carpet, I think it's just a day for for positivity for for the girls to be qualified for the Olympics and to, to call themselves Olympians. It's just going to be brilliant. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I was watching them. I saw most of the games uh, this weekend and uh, they played really well uh, with and without the ball, mostly on defense, though. They were really organized. They were they they barely let France, the host nation, have a sniff in the very first game of the weekend. And uh, it was a really strong performance. I mean, of course, it's a really strong team. They've got Flood, Baven Parsons. Um, yeah. uh, what is it? Amy Lee Murphy. Crow. Oh, yeah. And um, it's a really strong team. Lucy Mahal captain and uh, they 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 were just really really strong and uh, all throughout they were unlucky they actually played australia twice they were unlucky they got them in the pool and then they got them Mm. in the quarters and um they could have they could have possibly finished but the way it worked out was they needed to beat fiji 
in that fifth place playoff to finish ahead of them in the standings, which would qualify yeah. them automatically. They could have still qualified, but this puts them directly in and they know, and they were, and it's great to see they're delighted. They were celebrating at the full-time whistle and they deserved it because they put in a really good weekend. Yeah. So that's some good news. Uh, but unfortunately <laughs> we can't, we can't stall on that any longer. We got to move on and get to the inevitable in the end and we'll keep going. But uh, congratulations to the girls as well. It's a real shot in the arm for Irish women's rugby. Okay. We'll move on to yourself, Rich, for the second article now. And this is from balls.ie and it's Coleman Stanley. And the headline is a uh, Terranier center says provinces should give young AIL players a chance. It's it, uh, this is again, one of these uh, good news items uh, for me. It's, it's about seeing the, the, the quality and, you know, the, the, the gumption at, at these lower levels, dare I say, of, um, of, of rugby. Um, I, you know, I'm with this lad. I really am. It's, um, if they're good enough, we'll play them. The, 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 the one thing that I've, and I appreciate that you guys at least get to get to watch these games live. I, I don't, I don't get an opportunity to watch them here. I've only, uh, I only ever get to see some, uh, some highlights of these games. Um, but, but, you know, if these guys are good enough, let, they should be being fed into, into the academies and it should be um, a meritocracy. Uh, if they are consistently good, get them in there. Um, you know, Terania beat uh, Clontarf and, and as the article says, Clontarf on paper ought to have won that match. Uh, but the ought to and reality often, often differ an awful lot. Uh, you know, they've got um, Leinster players in uh, in Clontarf with uh, Soroka and um, Aitzol King. Yet, you know, Terania really, really hammered them. Uh, so, it, it, it's it's one of those areas, what, what I think what I'm trying to say is don't restrict the pool that you select from. Uh, and, and, the, and the coaches in the lower reaches really need to start tapping into what, what is clearly, uh, from, from, from what is being said and what I've read, um, a very decent untapped source. So absolutely go ahead and... Um, and, and, and yeah, you know, uh, as I say, if, if you're good enough, you've got to be playing at the, at, at the higher levels, be- because then you, you know, then you, you will be uh, separating the wheat from the chaff, won't you, at, at, at those senior levels, because it's all very well doing it at a lower level. But once you're consistently having to do it at a, as a senior level, then that's <laughs> that's when the men are, are separated from the boys. So, yep, absolutely. I mean, it's a, the, I mean, obviously the traditional pathway is often from the schools into under twenties and uh, on into the academy there, but uh, there's a host, I mean, there's 50 AIL clubs um, and then there's like 10, 20 at the top in the top two tiers. And there's a lot of those from Leinster, from Leinster, just from Leinster's point of view, there's a lot of players in there who be on the fringes. I mean, maybe it's the calendar that towards them a little bit, because when they're playing these high profile matches, the playoffs are at this time of year, the same time as the major playoffs. Mm-hmm. So with, when we see the gems playing in those high profile matches, it's kind of, it's too late for them to get involved. Maybe if it was all played earlier in the season, then maybe they could be fed in, join the Leinster squads around the Six Nations, even just joining the squads. 
uh, for a couple of months and just training with us for a while. You know, it's, it, it could be fed that way, but it's definitely, he's right. There, there, there's, there, there should be more of a representation and uh, it's a good article for that. Okay, we're going to go back to yourself, Tom, for the third article. And uh, this is from uh, the official EPCR website. And uh, the headline is uh, European Professional Club Rugby Dublin Heineken Champions Cup Final Confirmed a Sellout. Yeah, it's, I suppose it's no surprise with, with, uh, as soon as Leinster beat Toulouse, um, it was always going to be a sellout. I think it's pretty much the fifth, close to fourth or fifth sellout uh, in the last sort of 10 years. Obviously, going back to Ulster and ourselves back in Twickenham was a sellout. And Newcastle and Bilbao were basically sellouts. You know, I think we're talking about the last four or five hundred tickets. Uh, there was over fifty thousand sort of in both of those games, in, and and the, the both grounds hold fifty one or fifty three respectively. And then obviously Dublin now this time round. So yeah, look, we all knew. You know, comment was made. It was nearly harder to get tickets for this than it was for England's uh, Grand Slam matches, and you know that was shown by the amount of. Season ticket holders just didn't end up getting tickets and uh, sort of angst online and um, the firefighting, the comms team from Leinster Rugby had to do to try and calm things down. I think La Rochelle returned a few tickets, it seems like, at the death, 400, and they were distributed fairly quick. Um, yeah, I know it's easy for people to say, look, why didn't you buy a ticket a year ago? But, you know, at the tail end of the season, which, 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 which the tickets came out from Marseille originally now, uh, has been an expensive uh, time of year for Leinster supporters. You know, I was in Marseille last year. I was in, I was here, there, and everywhere. You know what I mean? I know I was lucky enough that I was able to pick up tickets at the time when they first came out. But not not everyone's in that position, so it's it's it is difficult. Um, I think the organisers are always worried that there's not going to be a sellout. Else, they try and sell them as early on as possible. Um, and and there's really only less than three thousand then left for the season ticket holders for. Two teams, Nigel Rochelle, have something like 90 sellout games in a row. Uh, I know it's a lot more difficult and more expensive for them to travel up here than it is within their own country. But I'm sure, um, you know, I'm sure there's more tickets available for, for Leinster and La Rochelle that would have taken them. Um, but with shorter notice as well, it's it's difficult. It's not an easy thing to try and sell. But it's fantastic for for the occasion that, that that'll be sold out. And uh, yeah, definitely something to look forward to for next week. Okay, so it's uh, back to yourself, Rich, for article number four. This is from Planet Rugby. This is to do with some other action going on this weekend across the water. It's um, a premiership. George Ford boots Sail Shark past Leicester Tigers into the final. Yep. They uh, the beaten 21-13. Um, you know, Sail, um, after a, a couple of years getting up to uh, to the premiership final, they're obviously meeting, uh, meeting Saracens, who basically steamrolled past uh, Northampton Saints yesterday. So, uh, yeah, let's see. Um, let, let's see how Sale and, uh, and, and Saris get on. I, I mean, as a complete neutral, I'd like Sale to, to, to win it because, you know, they haven't won it for quite a few years anyway. Um, and nobody likes Saris winning anything anyway. Uh, so, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I, it's it's probably the only the only Premiership match I ever watch, ever uh, because I I don't really follow it uh, the, the league itself. Um, but uh, let, let's see how they get on. George Ford putting in a a bit of a performance uh, today for sale. Uh, it'll be interesting what selection issues are going to be come the um, come the World Cup. 
whether he's uh, he's going to be the man in the uh, in the driving seat or not, or they're going to use uh, Baby Faz. We shall see. Okay, so we're going to get back to the best league now for our fifth and final <laughs> article. And uh, we're going to go back to yourself, Tom. And uh, this is from South Africa Rugby Mag. And the headline is Magical Many Send Stormers to URC Final. Well, uh, I was having a point in uh, Sandy Mount uh, Hotel before the, our own game. And I think this was the only time Leinster and Munster fans were on the same side for the rest of the day, as we all shouted for Connacht down in uh, Cape Town. Uh I had a feeling Connacht would, would do okay down there um, because uh, Stormers were missing one or two key players in our pack that I'd rate fairly highly and they'll be key to get back for the final and that's something we can discuss later on. Um, it was just two periods of that game really that killed Connacht, just too many little unforced errors in the first half again. Jack Harty sort of did follow on his poorish form in the quarterfinal, or the quarterfinal against Ulster where even though he was poor, he was still better than Billy Burns. And, um, you know, I wouldn't judge them on the last five or six minutes when they were had to take chances and Stormers are no better team to to snap on that. And, and, and once the South African teams are playing with a bit of confidence and are able to throw the ball around, you know, they're, they're fantastic to watch as, as, as seen by those last two tries. But I thought Connacht overall were superb. They had a lot of possession, a lot of territory and fought back. You know, a lot of teams would have given up the ghost when they were, what, 24 24 um six down or 24 seven down at one stage um yeah and it was a really good end of season for Connacht and uh, Andy Friend has done a fantastic job down there um you know it's a very difficult place to play and look I know the jokes aside about you know we've all been to Galway and the wet and windy and but whatever about Connacht been used to playing is in the air and the wind in their face like the pitch is another kettle of fish uh really that's that pitch in uh, Cape Town is, is is uh, you know, it's going to be a mess for the final as well. I don't know. You know, you have two teams that like to rock. And, and, and again, not, we're not getting off on a tangent here for next week's final, two, final in two weeks. But the Stormers pitch is a bit of a disgrace, really, for you. You, you would think it'd have to be in better, better, better fettle for two weeks time. But yeah, you know, I think it's been a good season, a very good season for for. Um, for for um, Connacht and you know they found uh, some 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 more players that really that really um, they can look forward to having next season and they've qualified for the Champions Cup on, the, on basically on their own merit as well. I know we bet the Sharks in the end just to confirm it, but look you know when they got to that position in the table they fully deserve to be in there and and to get to a semi final and then on top of that after a good win in Belfast I think I think it's nothing you know nothing but positive for Connacht really because Stormers is a very difficult place to go to, even in the heyday of Super Rugby when you had the good Crusaders and Waratahs teams, it was still difficult to win down in Cape Town. Um, so yeah, good, good, good season for Connacht and um, Stormers roll on to the final against uh, Munster. Yeah, I mean, uh, before the season started, we had fans of the other three provinces on and had Padraig Kelly, uh, also known as the second row, uh, talking about Connacht. And basically he said, he summarized, he said, what are your hopes for the season? He says, we got to aim at the top six and uh, we've got to feel like, and, and at the time, they were going to start the season with three matches away from home. And uh, and the start of the season was really rough for them as it worked out. They were losing. They lost more matches again, and they were they were down near the bottom um, coming towards November and stuff. But uh, look where they are now. Like you say, they got into Europe. They they, they did it on merit. Now they got into a semifinal <coughs> as well. It's a great season for them. Andy, Andy Friend has left the place in, in, in good nick, and uh, they, they've got some good signings as well going to next season. So could even be better for them. Wish them all the best in Europe. Okay, so listen, that's it for the front five. Um, as always, you'll find all those links in the program notes.
Okay, so now, sadly, it's uh, time for us to look at our feature match of the week, which was, of course, Leinster v. Munster in the semi-final of the 22-23 BKT United Rugby Championship. As always, our match wrap pods are brought to you by the Irish Rugby Shop at elveries.ie. The weather was similar to the previous weekend, dry and relatively warm with not much of a breeze. Although the top tier of the Viva Stadium was empty, the fact that the other two seemed filled with what um, was going by the colour seemed to be an even enough split between red and blue, meant that there was a lively atmosphere at pitch level by the time Harry Byrne was getting the match underway, kicking towards the North Stand. Unfortunately, it wasn't long before he had the game's first incident, though, Tom. Yeah, I suppose... uh... Sort of a warning for our viewers to make sure they listen to the rest of the pod because for me anyway, this is not going to be a Frank Murphy bashing hour because uh, you know we, we we'll talk about that afterwards. But in this instance, you know, first of all, it was good to see Will Connors on the on the bench afterwards after a friend, a friend of mine uh, Ashley had taken a picture of him, you know, and he seemed okay. So it's good. That's the main thing. That it looked horrific, and it's good to see on the incident itself. Uh, obviously, at the stadium, it was difficult to tell. Um, was more concerned for because it all happened so quick. Was more concerned for uh, for porridge more than anything else. But look, on rewatching back the game, you know, and I rocked and rolled the the the, the video over and back, and uh, I'm convinced, you know, there should have been a yellow card there. I think Barron was upright and um, it's sort of mid forearm or his bicep meets you know, even call it the back of the elbow, hit Connor's chin. Um, I think probably was enough mitigation there with the second tackler and uh, Connors dipping ever so slightly to bring it down to a yellow. But I think Munster were sort of lucky to get away with a, just a penalty there. I was sort of surprised, listen back on the commentary, that there was very little conversation between uh, Murphy and Whitehouse in the TMO box about it, not even to look at it. Um, because look, if I'm looking at the game on my TV back with the Sky remote and I'm pausing and rewinding they've got more footage and they've got the same footage at least and to me you know even though i wear glasses and here i am wearing my glasses today um it was quite visible to me that that it was baron's forearm i don't think it was intentional i just think that it was just one of those rugby things but but under the the under the current laws and mitigations i think it was a yellow card um maybe the fact that it happened in the first minute you know shouldn't really have make a difference if it's the first minute or the 80th minute but i think um yeah, it, it should have been a yellow card and I know they gave a penalty and and Harry slotted a good three to get us off to a three-point start. But yeah, yellow card for Munster for me. Yeah, I mean, well, first of all, I just want to say um, credit to Frank Murphy for, for highlighting it. It happened right in front of him, but still he put both arms up and called it, stopped the game and that was it and got attention because he could see it was serious. I mean, uh, like you say, it was... Um, there was no intent, but it was still, it was still, it's still form that hit that seemed to hit the, the chin first. And, um, but, it, but when it, but also what happened to Will was that his head hit the ground, uh, smacked the ground as he, as he fell, which was more a cause. It was, that was a rugby incident thing. The second tackler hitting him and that's the way he was held as he went down. Nobody's fault for that. But um, obviously he had to go off HIA and all that stuff. And they took all the precautions. It was great to see him later on. Um, it, like you say, we, we won't know. We're going to talk about the, the referees from all angles later on. But um, that was that that was a very, very, if it was already a tense um, um, match kicking off and uh, it really made a difference there and that Van de Fleer had to come on for uh, for Will Connors. And we certainly wish Will all the best as he's had an absolutely horrible luck on the injury front. But anyway, uh, from the restart, uh, Luke uh, McGrath cleared towards halfway and a good chase saw Josh Vanderfer make his presence known early by jackling a penalty, which gave us possession in their half until... 
Dermot Barron, as we were saying, who we thought might be lucky to be on the pitch, uh, jackaled a penalty of his own. This gave Munster their first possession in our half, and we got a taste of how they were setting up against us, Rich. Very much so. Um, they they kicked to uh, to touch uh, from from the Barron uh, the penalty the Barron uh, got on the turnover. Um, take the line out. Um, several phases, and uh, they you know they they push forward with them all. Um, and then, sadly, one of one of those instances where, and and, and I think it's timing. I think it's being uh, out for for long periods of time. But uh, Ron Keller gives gives away a uh, a cheap pen uh, for coming in at the side of the um, of the mall. Uh, they kick to uh, they kick to touch again, which just shows the uh the the intent that uh because it, w- it was evidently a kickable penalty um that that's uh that one um so monster kick to the kick to the uh to touch they take the ball uh we defended pretty pretty well our um um and and i think this is little did we know that this was the the way that things were going to go on uh throughout throughout an awful lot of that match, we had to do a great deal of defending in in this match, and and this was pretty much the first instance where where we're doing this. Um, we, like I say, uh, thankfully our, our D kicked in. Um, we secure possession. We kick it away, uh, but sadly there is no chase. Uh, so Munster come uh, come back at us, and then Jack Conan gives another pen about forty five meters out, pretty central, uh, by uh, putting his hands down on the deck before going for the ball. So um, we get a pen, or rather Munster get a pen. Uh, Healy goes for posts, uh, and it's three all. Interestingly, uh, since they introduced, and, and you know, this is by no way meant as a as, as an excuse with I'm, I'm not into uh I'm not into excuses uh and i think it needs to be said that Munster thoroughly deserved the win yesterday but if you're going to have a law that stipulates that there is a shot clock and the shot clock goes red for several seconds after and then there is the kick at goal well why have the shot clock in in, in the first instance I, I, I should say that I'm not a fan of the shot clock business <laughs> myself, uh, but if you've got the law, you need to adhere to it. So <laughs> at the very least, I mean, I'm not saying Frank Murphy ought to, but certainly the TMO should be. Uh, so I'm, I'm certainly not having a go at Frank Murphy with the TMO. White House should have should have said, look, guys, because you, you I, we've all heard other other refs saying you got 10 seconds, 10 or, seconds or, yeah. or, or, or whatever it is, you know, you've got 10 seconds uh, and and. They, they, they just kick away, but on this occasion with nothing. Mm. So I'll repeat what I've said. I'm not a fan of the shot clock, so long as it's kept to a reasonable amount of time and leave it to the referee to decide that. But if you're going to have the thing, adhere to it. Otherwise, it makes a mockery of it. Yep. Did he go, um, did he go much over? Did he go much over? Uh, at least two or three seconds, at least. So no, inside Johnny's time. 
that's true. No, I mean, like you say, it's fair to give a, it's fair to give a 10 second warning anyway. Uh, definitely. And that should, be, Absolutely. that should be factored into it. But uh, yeah. anyway, no, listen, that's, that's true. It's a, it's a point worth making. I mean, that's why we do these pods. Yeah. The point these things doesn't make, doesn't mean it makes a difference between the results or no, anything, but of course it just, it doesn't. we're just basically saying it happened and it's, yeah. uh, and it's worth pointing out. Okay. So that, so that made it three, three. And uh, shortly after the restart, uh, Ty Byrne was penalized for taking out the nine and he got warned by referee Frank Murphy, who said, quote, he'd be watching unquote for something like that happening again. From there, we had another go in their 22 until Jimmy O'Brien was bundled into touch and Jack Crowley spiked the ball to show what it meant to their defense. They're followed about a kick tennis around halfway until it got to someone who, well, let's just say isn't for kicking it, Tom. Yeah. Um, I think years ago, I think uh, just reminded me of this. I think years ago, I remember Frank Lampard scoring a goal against Germany where it visibly went over the line by about a meter and sort of bounced back in. And there was a whole cry for new technology uh, and VAR sort of, I wouldn't say came in on the back of that result, but it, you know, that may have been the genesis of Genesis point. Well, uh, we might have able to, we might have to borrow the uh, snickometer. I think, I think we, I don't play cricket, but we might have to borrow the snickometer from the, <laughs> from cricket because uh, I'd like to hear the little whoosh of the, the, the snickometer off uh, Tommy O'Brien's finger <laughs> uh, for the knock on that was eventually disallowed the try. Because I, look, I watched it 10 times. I think the TMO is, Probably just about right, but uh, it deprived of us one of a, gra- a great Aviva moment of, uh, you know, we all seen Ryan Baird doing it uh, three or four years ago against Glasgow, when I think it was Glasgow in the RDS where he sort of broke through, and we all know what sort of an athlete it was, and it was a fantastic try, as you say, it was it was start a bit of a kick tennis, um, and as you said, that definitely one guy that wasn't going to kick tennis, it was 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 Baird when he got his hand on it, he reacted very quick. Uh, when the ball got batted down by Peter O'Mahony and uh, he got in ahead of um, Jean uh, Stain to, to get in ahead of them and, and just he, he, he left he even did a little, little uh, hitch kick that uh, Marcus Smith would be proud of to get by Mike Haley but it was all pulled back and yeah we need the snickometer in rugby uh, because I'd like to hear the little wish off the finger but yeah ultimately probably the the, the right results um I, I was I was surprised the TMO was so sure it was definitely off to Tommy O'Brien's thumb, um. But look, it is what it is. It was it was it was still a cracking try from uh, or no try from from Ryan Baird, and uh, he's definitely one that put his hand up for maybe starting six next week. Um, uh, he brought that physical. I thought he had a really good game overall. You know, just focusing on him for a second. I thought he was really really good. He was one of our star performers. And um, he got a beautiful restart off um, a Leinster restart, you know, where he, where he just jumped a couple of feet higher than everybody else and batted it back towards our side of the pitch. So, yeah, it was it was rough. Uh, I thought Tommy O'Brien also had a good game under the high ball. Um, he didn't make many mistakes. And uh, yeah, it looked like we're in, but that was one of it was just maybe that was the sign between the bad point I got in in uh, Sandy Mount Hotel. And uh, this incident and uh, the 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 origins injury, maybe the signs were there from early on. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, like you say, um, uh, Ryan Baird kind of announced himself on the stage. That was the last that game against Glasgow was the last game before COVID. um, When he when he announced himself with that, uh, and we were calling him Rampage and Ryan, and uh, that 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 was kind of a feature of his game. You can imagine him playing sevens. Uh, if you just 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 set him up to get the ball in a bit of space and uh, there'd be no stopping him. But um, but since then, in recent times, now he's had his injury problems. But since then, in recent in recent times, he showed us 
all the other facets of his game. And, uh, and, and I've been saying that we've seen everything he can do and he's become a, he, he's nailed down that uh, Scott Vardy role in our, in our European team for sure. And, um, but the, and I, the one thing I was saying recently that the one thing that we were missing from him was one of those runs. And, and it was great when we got to see it on Saturday, it was just a shame. Like you say, it got called back for just as like flicking off a, a bit of, a bit, a bit of um, Tommy O'Brien's palm as it was going by him. But uh, it was uh, just unfortunate. A lot, loads of pivotal moments in this game like that. That, that 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 could have gone either way but anyway so listen that with that chalked off there was a scrum to monster at halfway and here's where maybe the tide started to turn a little bit as they won a penalty at that scrum which led to them spending a large chunk of time in our half although with not a lot to show for it rich no and um i mean eventually they 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 managed to to get a pen and and, and go six three up but uh you know the the reality is that i, I if I was Munster, I would have been worried that I hadn't been able to uh, make hay while the sun was was clearly shining. Um, and, and this was constant pressure, constant pressure from them. Um, and and to be fair to us, our defence stood up to it. There were a number of hairy moments uh, where they got up to the line. We pushed them back. They came back to the line. Um, you know, th- th- there was all this toing and froing. And they, you know, Munster must, must have been getting pretty frantic because they were unable to get across the line. And, you know, and, and this is one of the, I mean, when you preview the, the, the final, this is one of those things that Munster need to address. They're not prolific try scorers. So they, they need to, this is one of the things that, that they need to address. Uh, and I really hope they do address it. And I really do wish them well in, in the final. Um, but you know, they we gave a penalty away. It was uh, Ronan Kelleher again. <laughs> it was it wasn't his day uh, yesterday. Um, as, as I said, he's he's been away for quite some time, uh, so he didn't he didn't really cover himself in in in, uh, in any glory. Um, and it was, and this was a timing issue. He tackled Lockman uh, just before Lockman managed to uh, get a hold of the ball. So tackle off the ball, pretty central. And not a problem for Healy. Uh, he puts it over. Uh, you know, we, we we kick off and they come back at us, uh, and we keep defending the line. Uh, then you know, Ronan Kelleher, uh, you know, redeems himself. Uh, he rips, <laughs> he rips the ball, uh, and Jack Conan charges out uh, till at least the twenty-two, and uh, you know, it, it it just keeps on keeps on going. But you know, th- this was the shape of things to come for for most of that match, um, it, right throughout the match. To, to be perfectly honest, yeah, I mean, it was uh, it was the the classic. Well, whatever we say about the selection of the team. The one thing that always seems to be a constant is the ability to defend a 15 man defense. And even with this, uh, with these uh, short penalties and lineouts close to our line, I mean, they really, really hit them with one, two tacklers and all at the right time. And they were finding the point of contact each time. And it was, uh, and it, we, it ended up like in the second half when once they were getting penalties, they were taking about a minute or a couple of minutes just to talk about what they were going to do because yeah. of, uh, because of how well, well drilled we were without the ball. Now, obviously Munster defended well too, and we'll talk, about that but um it was uh it, it, it this was a period where 
every every time we ripped the ball free um, from these malls, which is mostly the way we were doing it, we were getting in there and and getting in there and getting it out of there, uh, pinpointing the ball. It was it was almost like it was almost like, it felt like a try to us yeah. because um, those five meter lineouts, you're expecting it to be almost a try in that uh, in, in in that phase of play, but um, they 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 did well, and like you say, they only had uh, three points to show for it, and. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, and I, I think special mention to Max Deegan because I think I yep. think he had he had a very decent game yesterday. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, if I was looking for if we had to do a six-two split for the for the bench for the for the European final, I, I might might look at him as the extra forward. He's he's in that kind of vein of form and he's very hungry at the moment. But yeah. um, so we can talk we can talk about that again later. But like you said, um, you said Kelleher ripped it out and then Conan crashed out of the twenty-two at one point. So from there, uh, Harry was able to clear and again there was a good chase from Leinster which forced Keith Earls to drop it around halfway. And after a quick exchange of high kicks. The ball ended up with Michael Ala Alatoa. And finally, Leinster were able to get something going, Tom. Yeah, it was one of the only times in the game we genuinely got some quick ball. Um, we were able to recycle it pretty quick. Um, I think, you know, slightly getting sidetracked for a second, it's probably the one little weakness in Luke McGrath's game when there is a sort of forward parity. He he, he struggles to, to manufacture quick ball himself. Um, compared to say Gibson Park, and I think that's one big area in Leinster's game plan that that's that's why Gibson Park is one and 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 Lucas two. Don't get me wrong, Lucas played over whatever two hundred times for Leinster. He's he's a fantastic player, but it's just that one little area, and I think we suffered a little bit from slow ruck ball. Not all his not all his fault, but in this sense, we did manage to get good ruck ball. And um, Robbie Hench had a couple of key moments in this. He had a good carry just before that, and. I think Harry Bourne had a carry where he got caught at the bottom of a rock and Robbie stand in at the 10 channel and sort of directed the troops. And uh, after that, it was just a lovely half break by him. He sucked in Coombs and, and passed it behind his back as Coombs went low. And from there, it was just, a, you know, it's not something we've seen from. We've seen him score a couple of tries, um, Jenkins, but from a lot closer in where he sort of battles in from two or three metres. But he took this as... Um, at good pace and um, was able to beat the last defender and and that full frame of his six foot whatever eight nine was able to reach and get a get a good try, so it sort of made up for the um, made up for the uh, the bared one earlier on and and in some ways we were sort of surprised to be ten six up at this stage, as Richard discussed how much pressure Munster had or at least how much ball Munster were putting into the Leinster twenty two to find ourselves in the lead, um. You know, and it was sort of looking back, we were a bit hopeful because I thought, yeah, there was a good, good quick ball in that instance, and uh, and it was a good, it was a good try, and we went back to the game that we sort of been playing all year. We we were stretching defenses on the blind on the open side, you know what I mean, and dragging defenders all over the place, and that's what sort of created the mismatch for 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 um for Henshaw and and then Jenkins to burst through. So yeah. Excellent try and was badly needed as well, uh, as Rich just had mentioned, how much pressure we'd have been on for the previous 10 minutes in our own 22. Harry added the extras, and uh, after the restart, we looked in trouble for a split second when Tommy O'Brien dropped the restart, but it had gone backwards, which meant we were able to tidy and kill the, kill the half, which left the score at the break. Munster 10, Munster 6. <laughs> So 
So for the third Saturday in a row, Leinster made their opposition wait before coming out for the second half. And there was a change in the Leinster 15 as Karen Frawley came in at fullback for Jimmy O'Brien. It was Munster who had the first attack after the restart. And after Harry Byrne nearly stripped it free, it fell to O'Mahony, who barged his way to the 22. We managed to handle their first couple of attempts, but when Tommy O'Brien just failed to intercept a pass and they were able to continue their phases, eventually it was Frawley who was pinged offside and then they had a decision to make rich. They did indeed. And, uh, you know, without sounding uh, cocky, they, they took a leaf out of our playbook. They went for a tap and go uh, five metres out. Um, and and I, th- I think it's worthy of, uh, of, of noting and, and highlighting uh, Tyke Byrne. Tyke Byrne isn't just a... A very big guy, which he is. Uh, he's also a very good football player. And there were about three phases before that try, uh, just when they were camped on the um, uh, on on our five meter. And he 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 played scrum half in two of those. And and you could see what he was doing. He was trying to get the ball further towards the um, towards the posts to tie us in possibly giving themselves the potential of going back wide again uh, once they'd sucked our numbers in. But no, actually, he um, he picked and went uh, from about uh, three three metres out, uh, added a few kilos to his uh, already impressive frame with, with some latches, uh, and, they, and he went over. Uh, but, you know, uh, it, it, it was a pretty, pretty clinical... Um, Passage of play from, from Munster, uh, certainly their best, and it ended up in try, uh, their, but their best period of, of, uh, of um, effective play within our 22, because prior to that, the yes, there was an awful lot of, of very good play, as you, you've just, you yourself have just mentioned, uh, Peter Mahoney's charged through the middle, uh, Gavin Coombs also had a few, there was some good offloading. They offloaded a million more times than we ever did in, in that match. Uh, so there was an awful lot of very good play by Munster. It was just just wasn't clinical enough where it mattered. And and like you know, as I've mentioned previously, that is one of the things that I'm sure that uh, you know Graham Roundtree uh, will be working on because they, they'll need to score tries to beat uh, to beat Stormers. So yeah, very well worked try. Um, fair play to Tyke Byrne. As I said, I'm I'm a big admirer of him anyway. Um, and well-deserved try. Absolutely. And then uh, Crowley or Crowley popped over the uh, conversion, making it to 13-10 to the visitors after 46 minutes. And from uh, here, we're going to stray from the timeline a bit just to take an overall look at Frank Murphy's uh, overall performance. Now, there was a decent amount of grumbling the moment it was announced he'd be holding the whistle. And as I said on the previous show, my issue wasn't that I felt he'd be biased towards Munster, rather that it was an unfair situation for him to be in a major semifinal. But anyway, at the risk of being seen to be ref blaming, I do think it's important to harp on his actual performance on the day, for better or for worse. And uh, there were a number of incidents throughout that match that are worth discussing, Tom. Yeah, um, I fully agree with what you've said there. You know, I couldn't care less that he's from Cork. Um, I couldn't care less that he played under Leo Cullen at Leicester. You know, those things are irrelevant to me and one doesn't cancel out the other, but one doesn't make the other okay. I think uh, first and foremost, yeah, it's, it's, there's enough officials throughout the URC to, to, to don't put him in that position. But just, this is purely for Frank Murphy. I couldn't care less about Leinster fans or Munster fans or the players just gripe. It's just for him himself, you know, Uh, that's the first thing to get out of the way. Yeah. There was a huge amount of gripe online. Um, and in the stadium. Um, but I think a lot of that heatedness in the stadium comes from 
uh, the closeness of the match and how much it matters. You know, with all due respect, and I won't just pick on this particular fixture, but for, for us, we've been spoilt over the last five years. A lot of our matches, we do win quite easily. And as fans, we can sit back and enjoy the scoreboard and have a chat and have a point. Um, and it's okay to be absolutely pissed off to lose against Munster, but also to to have a concurrent thought that it was great to have this fixture, you know, back to a bit of angst and a bit of needle and a bit of meaning that hasn't been there for at least five years. I think this is only Munster's second win in the league in, in eight years or something against Leinster. I think go back to 2014. I think there was one in 2017 or 18. But look, you can pick out in a 40 minutes any penalty to suit the narrative. And one is not a narrative enough. Rich spoken about a few penalties already. already. Uh, especially just anyone. I'd ask anyone to look at the first 40 minutes again and say, you know, how, how at fault we were on the controllables we had compared to Frank Murphy's performance. So, uh, you know, for me, it wasn't it wasn't an issue, his, his refereeing. Previously, you, you have a bias against referees. Or not a bias, you would look at the pros and cons. And I would have thought Frank was always a little bit fussy at the breakdown and it disrupted the flow of the game. Now, for whatever reason, he went away from that totally. Maybe he wanted the game to flow. It was a showpiece. It was a big match for him too. He just let a lot more go. But that was for both teams at the breakdown. So I don't know which you there again. Both teams at the breakdown, there was a lot of, a lot of stuff going on. Um, but yeah, overall, from this Lancer fan's point of view, I don't have an issue with uh, I don't have an issue with with with, with Frank Frank Murphy's performance in the, in, the, in against us at all. You know, we need to look at ourselves and a lot of the mistakes we made, giving away silly penalties. But myself, yourself, and Rich have touched on some of them already in different phases of play. And um, yeah, it's for me, it's not it's it's not an issue why we lost. Hi, it's Jeff here. Just cutting in to let you know that we went on to chat a bit more about Frank Murphy's performance. And uh, there's also an extra clip from Kiga, who offers his reaction to Saturday's match. You'll find all that in the bonus clip on our YouTube channel. And while you're there, why not subscribe? We're always putting up extra stuff from our pods and you can see the full version of our preview show there every Friday. Right. Back to our Leinster Munster wrap. So after nudging back ahead, Munster had further chances to extend their lead, starting with an 18-phase series around R22, where they'd won a penalty close enough to the line, only to strangely opt for the corner, despite the tap-and-go having worked so well the last time. This eventually led to a 17-phase set that was thwarted at the line and taken away by Max Deegan. Right after Luke cleared his lines, Jason Jenkins made way for Joe McCarthy. And when a loose ball got kicked ahead towards the Munster 22, the blue half of the crowd were starting to shout again, Rich. They were indeed. Tommy O'Brien, whom we've already spoken about, as uh, had who had a very good game under the high ball and um, in general play was was pretty unlucky on, on this occasion. Is one of those uh, the bounce of a ball, uh, and you know we all know that the the rugby ball is oddly shaped, and uh, so the kick through uh, he just gets to the ball, but unfortunately just bounces off his chest rather than cradling in his arms. Uh, otherwise, we we, uh, we we score a try. Um, I think an important mention here, again, of Tyke Byrne, who was chasing back, uh, which made that run by Tommy O'Brien that little bit wider than he would have preferred. Uh, also, an honourable mention to, uh, to Haley, who was herring down from the opposite direction. So he was making an awful lot of ground as well uh, and managed to get there to disrupt uh, what would have been a certain try. Um, so again, uh, you know, it would have been typical typical Leinster. You know, we absorb uh, 
umpteen phases of, of pressure and uh, then we kicked the ball through and, and we would have gone, uh, could have gone further ahead. But, uh, but sadly, we didn't. So, um, you know, we, we, keep, uh, we keep going forwards. Um, we, again, try and go wide on a couple of occasions on, on the left wing, Frawley uh, dictating the ball in, in that direction. Uh, Joe McCarthy, uh, who had a huge impact um, from the minute he, he came on uh, with a couple of charges down the line uh, as well. Um, we get the ball to uh, to just a few meters out, uh, a few uh, picks uh, and goes, uh, a few notable uh, charges through from uh, again Max Deegan and um, and Keen Healy that that gets us almost to the line, uh, and then almost a replica of the Tyburn try. It's um, but on this occasion. Happily, it's uh, it's Joe McCarthy with with a few of his uh, a few of his friends uh, getting the ball over the line and uh, and we score. Sadly, we miss the conversion, and that, as we know, has a, a, has an awful impact on the game because that would have taken us to four or four points. I should say it would have forced um, Munster to go for a try, which I'm not saying they wouldn't have scored, but it's not as easy as. Not that it was easy, but it's not as, uh, as it, it changes the complete dynamic of those final minutes, doesn't it? So that just meant it. That meant it was now 15 13 to Leinster with about 16 minutes left on the clock. So now it was all about how Leinster tried to escort that lead home. Now, Joe McCarthy brought some more impact with the big jackal at midfield. But for the next 10 minutes, it was almost like Munster wanted to hand us opportunities to kill the match, only for us to hand them back to make it more of a challenge time. Yeah, it's. Uh... We're coming to the crunch time of you know the winning the losing of the games we've already discussed for sort of seventy minutes you know marginal calls here and marginal you know bounce of a ball here and a a thumb there or a Tommy O'Brien thumb here and whatever the case may be you know it came down to the sort of last ten minutes and uh, sort of the way I describe it and especially in the last four or five minutes is a little slight adaptation of Charles Dickens' Tale of Two Cities this was sort of a tale of two tens. Um, our own Harry, who I did think picked up some sort of a quad or a, a, hence Frawley had taken the conversion earlier on. But um, it all sort of started with, I think, with Thomas Clarkson made a half break. You know, he, he, he tried to get an offload and we not, he knocked on. Um, and if you watch Harry Bourne for the next sort of 30 seconds after that knock on, Harry was the first in. He, he chased down, I think it was Nash, and tackled him on his own line down near the ankles. And Haley or not Haley Nash got the ball away, passed it inside, you know, in fairness, the Munster were trying to run it at that stage out of their own end line. End line. And um, again, I think it was Hodden that made a break. And the key moment for me, sort of, which led to Munster getting territory, because they were struggling to get out of their half. We had pinned them in like they had pinned us in the first half. Um, and really all it takes is one chance, a one break, and in this instance, Hodnett just sort of got out to the 22, but it was Harry Bourne again that made the tackle. He was after making a tackle on, on Nash on the on, on the Munster line. Munster did get the offload away and he was back up, but uh, he got a, a severe bang in the head from Thomas Clarkson in the same incident. Uh, and whilst that seemed innocuous at the time, 10 seconds later, he was in the Leinster defensive line again on his own. And fairness to Crowley, whether you're able, to, you know, I'm not a professional rugby player, but you, you know, played rugby at a certain level. You can see when a guy's a bit shook, 
and he made a beeline for Harry. And this is what I mentioned with the tail of two tens, and he put him back in his ass. I think the damage was done from accidentally by Thomas Clarkson's hip and on on on, on Harry a few minutes before that. And that gave Munster the in um to 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 sort of get into our territory, which they needed. And at this stage, with only a two-point lead, we really didn't want to give away a penalty. And we were quite good all day at, at not giving penalties away, sort of in the red zone. Um, even though I had mentioned a spate of penalties in the first half in different parts of the pitch. Um, I think special mention to Hodnett uh, and Kendall, who who sort of took the fight to Leinster in that last five, four or five minutes. At the end of the day, there was only four minutes left and Munster were two points down inside their own 22 and they managed to get up and manufacture three points. So um, I think, you know, it, it all for me focuses on that ability to make to make a line break into our territory and it came off just one of those things where Harry, I think, was a little bit dazed from Clarkson and uh, Munster got a foothold into our into our territory. I said credit goes to Hodnett especially who who played a lot of uh, carries in that series of play to get them back up there and Kendallin who'd come on. And at this stage, Munster wore out Jan Klain and they were out Omid Peter Omani. So I'm sure Munster fans will take some heart. The fact that there was a good few young lads which were on at that stage and stuff that, you know, they had the fight to get up there. And the 6-2 um, split helped them there as well, yeah. The 6-2 yeah. And in fairness to Crowley, I'll give him one thing. You know, years ago, I remember hearing an interview and, it, you know, God forbid we want to see the, 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 the you know, talking about Rog on the week that's in it. But I heard an interview with Rog one years ago saying about, you know, what's it like being captain by Paul O'Connell and Paul O'Connell always come up to him and say, I'll take the tree, take the tree. And he, 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 that was it. He just came up and there was no debate. And that gave him the confidence to go, he believes I can get this tree and I'm going to get it. And why I mention that is I think Crowley decided for several phases before, I'm going into the pocket and there's nothing Leinster could do. Yeah. He decided he had the confidence to go into the pocket and go, I'm going to take this upon my shoulder. Because if he had, if he had screwed that and it dropped it you know, wide or back, that was the game over. So you got to give him some some you know good lot of credit for he he was clear about that decision and that decisive to go for a, I was going to I was going to go for this drop goal and 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 take the tree, um and coming back to my Charles Dickens analogy tail of two <laughs> tail of two uh, tens, uh you know we weren't finished yet because Harry stalled with his restart you know what I mean he went. Um, you know, people will blame Baird for running early, but he but he didn't. Harry made a run and then stopped. Harry went to kick. So and and then he didn't. And then Baird sort of straight offside. Baird wandered back, and that was it. It was it 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 it, it just handed the scrum back, and the game was really effectively over from there. Um, but that all happened in the space of two or three minutes. Um, I think Harry was unfortunate. I do think he got a fair whack, and he probably. You know, could you have gone down for HAA? I think he, I don't mean gone down as in, I think the right thing for him would have been to come off for a HAA at that stage. I, you know, looking back on the bang he got from Clarkson and um, look, Munster took their chances. That's that's not an excuse for what, you know, I've, I'm hoping to come across and given enough credit for Munster for going from their own 22 and up and manufacture and drop goal to win the game. And and I give credit to Kendall and, 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 and Hodnish and, and Jack Rowley. But, you know, from a Leinster point of view, we were just unfortunate what happened to Harry. He had made two good tackles and then just one of our own players, you know, gave him a fair whack on the head and, and that was it. It affected his next phase of play, as I mentioned, with, with Crowley running nearly through him and then obviously the restart as well. Um, 
it's interesting, you know, what you know, Frawley could have stepped up for that restart too, if if possible. Um, but look, they're all they're all what ifs. But you know, when you analyze the game and you wonder how Munster got down, that's really the nuts and bolts of it. It is just shows you the fine margin of the game. The game was 16-15, and we're looking over them the minuscule, but they're they all matter. You could analyze every game and on, on the big games you've won and the big games you've lost and pick out moments, but you know, credit to Munster in this instance for with some senior players off the pitch getting down there and manufacturing a tree. And don't get me wrong, it was absolutely gutted to feckin' lose the game. Like, you don't like losing the Munster, you know. We've sort of owned them for the last seven or eight years, but and it, it was more than annoying is not the word to lose that game, especially after being so dominant all year in the prof, the URC. Um, you know, 16 wins in 18 and, and then another knockout game. So, yeah, it was it was much credit to... Credit to credit to Munster for getting down there and getting the three points. And um, from there, that meant Munster were left just a few phases to win the game. And although it's a while since they've had a win like this, killing that 80th minute is burned into their DNA. So they made it look easy until Craig Casey was able to put the ball into the West End, allowing their deserved celebrations to begin. But rather than wind up this portion of the pod with the final score, as I normally do, I thought I might just ask quick asked Rich to take a quick look ahead at the final. With both sides having two weeks to prepare, how do you see them shaping up based on those semifinals? Will the Stormers make it two championships in a row or will Munster end their drought with what would be an amazing three away wins in different countries? If you look at it on paper, you're looking at all the travel time, all the acclimatization time. And and this is the uninterested observer. You'd have to say that Stormers are the the favourites. I don't buy that. I'm I'm going to put it out there now. I think Munster will win because they are the kind... Uh, I think M- M- Munster's DNA is suited to knock out rugby anyway. Um, and I think that they are a rash and they are abrasive and they will stick on to the coattails of the Stormers until they kill them by attrition. And I mean that metaphorically, of course. Um, so I really do think that Munster will do it. And I really do hope that Munster will do it. Um, and yes, I am wearing a, a Leinster shirt. I, I really do fancy Munster's chances. Yep. No, I, I agree with you. I mean, my thoughts is like Munster, Munster can definitely win. They'll just need to come down from the high of these last two wins. And remember that oh. although they've had a great defense, like you say, just one try against a cotton wool wrapped Leinster team and uh, just two tries against a 14 man Glasgow Warriors has to be a cause of concern for them in Cape Town, like you say, against the Stormer side, which already has nine tries in the playoffs so far. But it should be quite a final. And whatever happens, I've already said it on Twitter, but I don't mind saying it again. Despite all the sledging and banter online, it still should go without saying that everyone here at Harper Manor wishes Munster all the best in Cape Town, as I'm sure, of course, all their fans feel the same about us against La Rochelle next Saturday. <laughs> I have written down here. I have to clear my throat now. So, <clears> throat> um, I'm sure that video that floated around of the Stormers absolutely celebrating Leinster getting beaten. <laughs> it's been I, since taken. Play that on a continuous loop. <laughs> it's, it's been since taken down. I'm sure. Look, uh, maybe the I don't know what flight they're going to get down with Etihad or whoever they're going to uh, Qatar. I'm sure they can put it on a loop on the uh, on the on the airline on the way down. That might motivate them. <laughs> Absolutely, well, it promises to be a great final, nonetheless. Anyway, so God, God, we're finishing this portion of the show by chuckling a little bit. That's a that that, that that's a good way to finish off talking about the match. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, so now we're just at time for a few final thoughts, uh, starting with yourself, Tom. Yeah, look, first and foremost, it's absolutely gutting to lose. I know I've said it a few times today. You just, you don't want to lose against, you don't want to, you know, we are the best team in the league. I know people will go, what the heck? You're after losing the lose the last two semifinals. And and rightly so, they could say it's could slate me for it. But uh yeah, we just I felt we needed during the week to go a little bit more strong. You know, I've mentioned it a few times that I I I'm not a full advocate for cotton wool. Um I you know put it up on, on Twitter during the week that I I think one or two players like Ringrose and Porter. And I had some to and fro with some other Lancer fans, but why did you do that and stuff? And you know, hindsight's a great thing saying, yeah, we should have, but uh, maybe the bench a little bit stronger would have been nice to bring on Gibson Park and, and maybe Ross Bourne for the last 20 minutes. But look, it is what it is. Um, uh, you know, it was a lot of, even though we've had the hoodoo over Munster, a good few of those games have been quite close. You know, even the last one down in Toma Park was only a point in it. And ultimately, one of these times they were going to win. You know, I mean, you can't win forever. And um, it happened to be their day on it. So, you know, I can be absolutely gutted and and annoyed that we've lost another semi-final. Um, even though I think we, you know, this year we've been by a distance the best team in the league, and then to lose it to your your rival on your own your own well on a on a neutral pitch <laughs> is uh, is is even more so annoying. But uh, look, we just have to dust ourselves off and and look forward to. To next week, you know, I mean, this the season definitely isn't over. You know, the fans have been pissed off and annoyed and gutted, and you know, blaming left, right, and center was the referee or Leo for his selections or whatever you want to blame. But look, we have we have a big big fish on on Saturday at home, and you know, as far as I'm concerned, after forcing myself to rewatch this game today and before this pod, it shall be parked away in whatever recess of my mind and it's done and dusted and it's Lara Shell from here on out for me now. Yep. I've forgotten about it already. What are we even talking about? Let's um no seriously Rich, what, what are your thoughts? Um pretty much echoing what Thomas said. I'm absolutely gutted. I'm seriously seriously pissed off uh that we lost um yesterday obviously um and you know we we had twing and throwing on, on, on the group chat uh, earlier about my my views on knockout rugby when you know when you're top of the log and you you've controlled the the league uh, because the bounce of a ball can take it away from you i'm not suggesting for one moment that that was the case yesterday it wasn't months to deserve to win the other point that uh, i would like to echo uh, that thomas just made is on selection i mean we should have gone fully loaded yesterday because are you really really facing the risk of losing so many players through injury. I mean, the, the, the reality is not. You can, you, obviously you can. You can have awful situations like Munster actually had last week uh, with four HIAs who, who were unavailable th- this week. Yes, of course that could happen. So, but, you know, we had to play uh, Josh van der Freer for 79, uh, 79 minutes yesterday. He's, he was fine. There were no injuries. Uh, 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 other than obviously uh, the very early on from from Will Connors, so uh, you've got th- potentially three matches left in the season. You go all guns blazing. That 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 is my own view. I'm not a rugby coach. Leo Cullen will have forgotten more about rugby selection and anything to do with with the sport of rugby than I will ever 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 learn. So, you know, you have to bow down and respect their decisions. 
he himself said in post-match yesterday that they got it wrong. And they did get it wrong. Um, you know, and, and I think a fully loaded Leinster yesterday would have probably prevailed. And, you know, Munster deserved to win yesterday. And I hope we deserve to win next Saturday and do win next Saturday and, and get the fifth star. Yep, absolutely. It's important to talk about it. I mean, we don't, you know, uh, that's why we do these pods. We, we've been, we've done a lot of them for Leinster wins this season. Um, there was one draw and there was one kind of inconsequential uh, loss down in South Africa, but it's been mostly wins. But, you know, you literally can't win them all. you got to be able to, and you still got to be able to come on and talk about them. And I think we've done a pretty good job of that for the last while um, going over the match. But now it's time to put it behind us and um, another big match next week to end the season, hopefully on a high. And um, we'll, see, we'll, we'll see what team we can put together for that. Okay, so now it's time for some of the full-time takes on social media, starting with our Facebook page, Connor Cronin, regular contributor. Hi, Connor. He says... You play the decisions and you adapt. Well done, Munster, and good luck on the 27th. Craig Grehan said, uh, as an out-and-out Leinster fan, we disrespected Munster in Cup Rugby by not selecting our best team. Andrew Potts said, uh, Frank Murphy did nothing today but enhance his reputation as a very flawed ref and biased against Leinster. Trying to give one from each kind of section of opinion here. Uh, Finally, we had John Highland who said, Munster were the better side today. For right or for wrong, Leo has prioritized the fifth star. Okay, so now we go to uh, Twitter. And uh, Jay Long said, take your points. Fair play, Munster, savage on the day. Rugby Kino, another regular contributor, said, brilliant game, best interpro with Munster in forever and an amazing result for Munster. Coordus and go on and win it. Sarah Lennon said, Munster deserve it. Munster played badly. Frank Murphy should not ref these games. All of this is true. Go on and win now, Munster. And finally, uh, Aoife, Munster fan, said, so proud and happy for the boys. An incredible performance and an amazing result. Just delighted for the lads. Fair play. And then on Mastodon, we had Ku Cullen who said, Munster, we're up for it. Can't complain. We weren't clinical enough. Very true. Um, listen, we put more of the comments from the main site on harpandrugby.com. And if you haven't yet joined the social media conversation for Leinster matches, why not give it a go? I tend to post on Mastodon during the matches these days, although we still do the post for full-time thoughts over on our Facebook page. Well, there's only two results. This is where we usually wrap all the results in the United Rugby Championship. There's only two results uh, this time. We had, um, and uh, of course, we know the results were Stormers 43, Connor 25, and of course, Leinster 15, Munster 16, yada, yada, yada. <laughs> no, seriously, those are the semifinals. And of course, that leaves the final now, like we said, on Saturday, May the 27th, Stormers against Munster in Cape Town. Right, that's brilliant, lads. We're going to leave it there for now. Many thanks to Tom and Rich for joining me, and we'll hope to talk to you both again soon. Cheers. Cheers, lads. So that's it for this week. Be sure and subscribe to our podcast feed if you haven't already. Keep an eye on our website, harpandrugby.com, for all our features during the week. We now know that this is the final match week of Leinster's season, so next Saturday's Champions Cup final will, of course, be getting the full Harpen treatment, including a preview Friday, a wrap pod on Sunday, and all the usual features in between. As always, feel free to send us your thoughts, email us at paganoblog at gmail.com, or get us on any or all of our social media platforms. You'll find all the links in the program notes. Until next time, stay safe everyone. Salon.